Welcome into another edition of the Commitment Issues Podcast. I'm Woody Womack, joined uh, on the phone by Nick Kruger from Austin, Texas. Nick, how's it going today? Well, I was hoping I was hoping you would say first we're without Rob Cassidy. So go ahead and, and say that and then come back to me. Okay, sorry. We're without Rob Cassidy, who has been uh, incommunicado. He is without power. He's returned to South Florida and uh, he seemed pretty angry based on with the one text message I've received from him in the last three or four days. So, so Rob's not here. Now we go to Nick. Nick. <laughs> so, so listen, so listen to this, Woody. After, after you and me were together in Texas, spending some, spending some quality bro time together while getting some work done, at, you know, uh, you know, certain details uh, that were leading into the weekend. One of the headlines being my, uh, non-start of Mike Gillisley and Kareem Hunt into my fantasy lineups for two separate teams, leaving more than 70 points on the table. However, the Duval show Steelers rally in both leagues to go 1-0 in that, uh, in that situation, in that predicament I put myself in after Thursday night. Followed that up by, of course, Jacksonville Jaguars winning in glorious fashion against the Houston Texans. But then, the icing on the cake, Nick goes out for his first game of the fall season in the Division Three Men's League of the Austin City Soccer Association, fall season, whatever it's called, and scores a goal and gets an assist. Wow, what a banner weekend for me. I'm feeling fantastic. Boy, it's just what the people wanted to hear about. All the Not to mention you beat me in one-on-one basketball. You forgot to oh mention that. Oh, my gosh. But wow. That, <laughs> Talk about glory, a glorious win. Or three. Yeah, yeah it was, uh, <laughs> you know. Needless to say, my fitness level is not at a, not at a high. Despite working out all the time, I'm I'm having some shoulder injuries lingering, uh, and they continue to to bother me. It's just not basketball shape. It's just not basketball shape. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Despite me playing basketball a lot in in Greece, which you know, I, let's just say it was a so it was more like the uh, 2006 uh, U.S. team at the World Championships more than it was the the dream team performance for me representing the uh the country there so anyway we're 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 back and better than ever we miss we miss rob um he'll he never listens to the show when he's on let alone when he's not on so uh we'll have to push on without him and uh you know he's as i told him he's always talking about how he wants to die and whatnot so i don't want to hear any complaints about him not having power so sorry rob we're not we don't feel sorry we don't feel sorry for you all right, we've got all types of stuff. We, we were going to talk about the games from last week, but it's already Thursday by the time you guys listen to this, so we decided to kind of switch up the format a little bit and uh, spin it forward a little bit, as uh, as uh, Bob Lee would say. Now, <laughs> but before we spin it forward, we got to talk about this Urban Meyer thing. This happened right after our podcast last week, which kind of stinks. He comes out. And boy, just starts firing shots. I, in an interview with Dennis Dodd from CBS Sports, he 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 rips Tom Herman, saying, you know, uh, that, that he was critical of his of his, uh, you know, saying he couldn't sprinkle fairy dust on his team and make the defense better. And 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 then he also ripped Will Muschamp, which I think they clearly have a personal thing from uh, Muschamp saying he didn't inherit good players at Florida, even though obviously several of those players went on to be drafted. And this is kind of what I wanted to discuss, more of a bigger issue. These coaches, they inherit players, and uh, you know, a lot of them will tell us, oh, this team's got no talent. <laughs> it's, a, it's a classic. Whether they say it publicly or not, I mean, 
you know, I, I often hear from assistants who go from one school to another. And a lot of times it's because they're going from, you know, a, a school that's winning. You know, some of these guys leave Alabama and go somewhere else. Well, of course, the talent's not going to be the same. Or, you know, another school that's winning. That's how you move up the coaching ladder is you go from a school that's winning generally to a school that if they need a new coaching staff, they're probably not doing super well. So we hear it a lot. My question to you, Nick, is do you think it's an excuse? I mean, we, we know that Texas's defense stinks if we're looking at them specifically, but they do have a lot of talented players there, I think. Um is it, is it a valid excuse for these coaches to make? And do you think it's something that, that actually, you know, the players here and it, and it, and it maybe hurts the rebuilding effort is, which is something that, that urban suggested when he was uh, making these comments. Well, it's, you know, it's pretty funny that he's the, uh, he's the person that's coming out here and, and making such comments because, you know, I remember a time when people were saying that urban Meyer was exactly that type of coach that, you know, took over Florida because the opportunity, you know, he was winning there with Ron Zook's players and then waits until the time is right to go to Ohio State, you know, and, and capitalizes on the players he inherited at the, at that program. So, you know, I think the door kind of swings both ways in that regard. It's, you know, it's like I said before, especially in Texas's case, you know, Herman wouldn't have said those things if he didn't allow there to be some level of hype about the team to begin with coming into the start of the season, you know, so um you know so so it's it's just all a matter of of perception as to you know between coaches as to what they have and what they don't um and to your point like you said earlier if an assistant you know says that and then goes to a new school and has that same uh argument the whole reason you know that he went to the new school to begin with is likely because the team wasn't very good beforehand to open up that opportunity so you know college college football college sports is all about replacement you know, the, the inherited players, uh, you know, conversation one way or the other doesn't really seem to interest me <laughs> a whole lot because because the turnover it, it, with college athletes is so high. What Even if, you know, even if you're not talking about transfers and, you know, people leaving the program within three years, you always have a new football team anyway. Right, exactly. And I, and I think there is one of the things that Urban kind of harped on. I think there is a responsibility on the new staff to develop and kind of coach up the players they inherit. I mean, he he mentioned that and you do know what you're getting into. I mean, you see the roster. It's not like, you know, you, you don't know when you take a job what you've got on hand. So it's tough for someone like Herman to to manage expectations because he didn't, you know, not as far as I know, he didn't come out and, and sort of put a target on their back during the, the preseason. I mean, he he clearly made it. That, that all jobs are open for competition and, and nothing was going to be given to anybody and things of that nature, often coach speak. But I, I think the grace period, if we talk about, I really think that coaches deserve the opportunity to get, you know, four full recruiting classes in, especially if they're hired in, you know, December or January, which now with the new rules is going to make it even tougher to, to build your first class. So I, I personally, I like, I, I do like to give coaches time, but you know, we've seen Jim Harbaugh. We saw Urban Meyer. I think he went undefeated in his first year. I think they had the sanctions, and obviously they had a talented team. But, you know, when Harbaugh took the job at Michigan, we didn't hear him complain about the players he inherited, and he, he turned that thing around pretty quickly. Now, some people think they should be doing better than they are. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I think that it doesn't – that like you said, that argument doesn't really matter. The, they've turned over the roster. They're winning games, and, and they did it pretty quickly. So – I think that's something to watch. It's it's interesting here because you and I were in Florida working in the media when Urban left 
uh, the Gators uh, to step away to spend time with his family. Of course, his daughter uh, went to the same college as you, if I remember right. It was one, <laughs> one, yeah, of the, one of them. Yeah. yeah, one of the reasons he wanted to spend more time, see her play some action. So I'm sort of, you know, I'm not, it's obviously way too early or anything like that, but it is interesting to see him touching on these other topics and kind of go out of his way to address, especially Tom Herman, who's viewed as kind of one of his disciples or one of his former guys. So, I thought that was an interesting topic. Let, let me ask you. Let me ask you a question. Uh, continuing with one of the themes of this podcast, uh, get, a, after two weeks, after seeing the results that Florida Atlantic has gotten, let's say let's say Lane Kiffin isn't just trying to take off at any one point, but in his situation, how, what's the grace period for Lane Kiffin, given the way that he's run the program so far and and what you've seen from the first two weeks of the season? Well, personally, I think they played two tough teams. I mean, they were going to beat Wisconsin. Okay, maybe you could argue about Navy, but I think he's fine. I, I, I think he'll probably leave on his own, but I think they're going to end up winning six or seven games this year when they get into conference play. So I, I'm not as worried about Lane as as some other people are. I, I think he'll, he'll get things turned around. They really don't have a quarterback, it appears, uh, despite – you know, DeAndre Johnson coming in there. He doesn't seem to have won the job. Uh, uh, Jason Driscoll, who's from right there in Oviedo, right down the right, right down a few blocks away from the townhouse, is where, where he where he came up and he he had started before, and he he doesn't appear to have the job either. So I think there's going to be some growing pains when they only find a quarterback. But I think being in conference, I, I expect them to to win some games, and I I I still think Lane's got a chance to end up somewhere else on his own accord, not because he got gets fired. So I'm Team Kiffin on that one. We got to get him on the pot. We need to send Rob up there to Broward County or wherever that school is and get him to do an interview with Old Lane. I bet Lane would love to come on the show. So Rob, if you're listening, get get to work. Stop laying around complaining about not having power. <laughs> um, <laughs> now, speaking of shots fired. Uh, Micah Parsons, who uh, we've talked about on this show before, uh, people who listen might remember he famously named his dog Brutus while he was committed to Penn State, drawing all kinds of uh, of uh, speculation he was going to flip to Ohio State. In the end, he he does end up decommitting, and right now he's he's uncommitted, uh, which you know I think a lot of people are are insinuating that Ohio State's the favorite there. Um. He's a five star. He's one of the top players in the country. He's taking his official visit for that game this weekend, which you know was was less than ideal as as they they take a big loss at home and they had a several big time recruiting visitors on campus. But there was a tweet that came out during the game or during the post game press conference in which uh, a reporter paraphrased Urban Meyer saying that he's not considering a change at quarterback. Now Parsons retweets him, says I would, and his name is. Uh, Dwayne Haskins, which he tagged him at DH underscore Simba seven. I mean, he's the backup right now, I believe, because I think the other quarterback got, got injured, Joe Burrow. So all of a sudden, now this cr- creates even more of a of a stir here. As as Urban was asked about it, and he kind of gave a a quote saying that you know he addressed it, uh, you know, not in as many words because he can't specifically mention Parsons. But we saw a lot of Ohio State players take the former players, Cardell Jones. Uh, you know, taking some shots a little bit. Um, Corey Smith, uh, also another a former player who who was who was firing some shots a little bit about whether Dwayne Haskins was was supposed to be playing. So it's interesting. I think now is this something that they would drop Parsons over? I don't think so. But it seems to me that players are seeming more and more comfortable 
you know, rip ripping these <laughs> these coaches while he's on an official visit. It's really something. I just kind of enlightened you about it before we started the show. What did you? What was your take on it, Nick? Of him coming out and kind of making his opinion known. Well, they, I mean, he has all the leverage in the situation. He can say whatever he wants to. He can call out any player or, or anything because at the end of the day, if Ohio State judges him to be a difference-making player in their recruiting class, they can't they can't scold him until he's on the team. Like that's a really bad, that's a really poor situation for Ohio State to find themselves into when they have to kind of be like, listen, if you're considering us. You know, you can't we'd appreciate it if you didn't say things like that, because, you know, look, at you want to talk about spinning things forward. I mean, if current players on Ohio State see they have to be aware of who he is, especially after he's been there on an official visit. They have to if they saw a tweet like that and they thought that he was coming to the team. I mean, that already is is sort of like, a, you know, without knowing the temperature of the locker room, that's that's potentially a divisive sort of thing for him to do to be coming in, making, you know, making brash comments like that before he's even part of the team as if he was kind of a bigger deal because you know even if players are comfortable about speaking their minds about certain things saying things like that I mean there there's once you're on the team it's a different it's a different dynamic you ideally approach it with a different sort of tact than because because if if Ohio State calls and tells him hey we don't want you anymore because you say things like that that's not really going to bother Parsons so much if he has like a top 3 or a top 5 you just eliminate one of the teams and go to one of your other top choices so so that's really an unenviable position for the Ohio State staff to to be in yeah he'd have to rename his dog though don't you think if he went to another school <laughs> Well, you know what? It, you rename dog. You, you pick up a dog from the pound. What's the first thing you do? You rename it. They'll figure it out. Yeah. Well, you know, my dog named Grizz. You can call him Chris oftentimes. And so I'm trying to think of <laughs> nobody. He doesn't know the difference. So Brutus, I don't know what, what rhymes with Brutus. That would sound the same. But uh, but I mean, don't you don't you feel the same way? It's so funny because like if you were, if, you know, if you were like a potential employee for a company, you know, while you were in the interview process, you wouldn't go calling out the COO or whatever, you know, well, yeah, I might, but, uh, <laughs> I think, uh, I think it wouldn't be a good look. That'd almost be like being a nine 11 truther and then getting hired. So, oh, uh, man. Wow. We... <laughs> talk about shots fired. <laughs> you wouldn't want something like that to happen. Cause guess what? That's not a good sign. That wouldn't work out. Well, uh, sorry, all you nine 11 truthers out there. So, oh uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, we just had the anniversary, Woody. Come on. Uh, hey, listen, you're, you're talking to somebody who who proudly uh, flies his flag. So, uh, you know, I, I'm not on the truth or the truth or side. But I do think it does raise some. Now, if 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 all these people who give recruits advice unsolicited on Twitter are to be believed, Ohio State should drop him. Right. Using that, that that kind of feeds into what you just said but that's what people are always saying oh these tweets i'm watching the tweets first thing we do is look at the tweets and we say we don't want them so that should apply shouldn't it yeah but everybody i mean everybody knows that only depends on what their recruiting board looks like and who else they feel good about you know right. what i mean so that's uh you know ohio state i mean ohio state generally speaking regardless of how good you know micah parsons is a, a team like ohio state is going to have a you know, a wealth of options to choose from if somebody else goes a different way. And that's how all high profile programs have to sort of recruit, especially when other high profile teams are in the mix for one kid. So, you know, I guess you could say that that Parsons doesn't have all the leverage like I did when I when I first started because but 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 Ohio State, I mean, you know, it's like I said, if they if they really value him, they're going to have to they're going to have to finesse some sort of agreement out with <laughs> where he doesn't do sort of those things in the future. 
Yeah, he and he did a he did sort of apologize. I think the next day tweeted my fault about JT. I was just in my feelings last night about the game. Hashtag go Bucks. So I don't know. I think it's a situation to watch. I think uh, you know some people. Who, what, what's some, the story? What's the story with Tate? Why wasn't he involved in the? Well, I don't think Tate is a. Is he know, on the team anymore? Or what? He's on the team. Yeah, I, I don't oh. think he's in the conversation. To as far as Urban says, he's not changing quarterbacks at all. So. You know they play Army this week, so it's going to be. Hopefully, he, hopefully he plays better for uh, for for his sake and for the Buckeyes' sake because he's you know been there for a while and seems like he's regressed. And it's interesting because he was his best while he was playing for Tom Herman. So maybe these two guys should have never split up to begin with. Might have uh, changed the fortunes. So I think that's a that's an interesting situation. Now moving on, Florida continues to have uh, several players suspended over this. Uh, Fraud incident. I put fraud in uh, quotation marks here on the uh, thing. Um, and this this is sort of interesting because I, I haven't seen any criminal charges being filed yet. This is a discipline move made by Florida while they investigate things. There's a, there's a whole lot of different reporting on the issue. Basically, I think the way the way I interpret it was okay. The the, the Florida players went to the bookstore, bought some electronics, then sold them. And then I think they re- reported that their IDs were stolen <laughs> or something. So it was kind of a double dip situation. Now, we all do th- stupid things uh, when you're in college, or in my case, continuing <laughs> going forward, doing stupid things a lot of times in life, maybe not uh, of this variety. But we've seen college football players do far worse and get suspended for far. I mean, DUIs. You know, maybe getting one game or or no games. We saw, of course, Jeffrey Simmons, uh, that video of him uh, fighting, you know, with uh, with a woman. Uh, he got one game. I know Rob wrote a lot about that. <laughs> so <laughs> the the, the <laughs> made made us both laugh on that one. The question the question is, does this is is this something that starts to impact Florida's recruiting? Because we saw back in February. Jim McElwain took a chance on a on a few guys. Uh, Darius Lemons is a running back who who had some rumored, you know, quote unquote character issues. James Robinson, who was another guy who who some people wondered was he mature enough or going to be ready enough. It wasn't sure where he could go to college. Florida ends up swooping in and taking him at the end as well. So so McElwain sort of had this vision of okay, this is a this is a player's coach. He's willing to give these guys second chances, but now. You know, we're a few weeks into their season. Uh, they're playing their first conference game against Tennessee, and now they're without nine of their guys. So do you think this is something that, that – obviously it's going to impact them on the field without their best running back and best receiver, but could this spill over into recruiting where, you know, maybe it's perceived that, that McIlwain doesn't have the back of his players or is being too tough on them when it comes to this discipline issues? Um, I, I suppose uh, I would say that – I don't think, first of all, I don't think kids ever relate other players' uh, situations to themselves. You know, even even in a even in a situation like with Robinson, where you know we all had talked about on this podcast about you know his his potential future off the field issues, and and here it didn't take too long for them to uh, come into play here. But you know, I I I think you know it's like when we talk about when when teams are getting in trouble for for whatever recruiting violations and it you know, might lead to a bull ban. And we ask a kid, they all say, Hey, that's going to affect the, you know, by the time I'm playing, it's not going to affect me. So I don't think from that perspective, 
um, you know, it's really going to make a, a ton of difference with the players. And and even even if a kid is kind of a knucklehead, everybody should have a basic understanding that if you do something wrong, you sh- you're going to get punished for it in some way, shape, or form. So so I don't think you know f- from that perspective, I I don't think it should have a dramatic effect on on recruiting. I think w- like you know to kind of go to what you were bringing up earlier, I think where it affects recruiting is maybe it changes the philosophy that the Florida staff has with the types of kids that they take. Obviously, if it affects wins and losses on a superficial level, that's going to affect kids' perceptions of the program. Um, so I think those are kind of the two, those are the two factors that are kind of impacted most by, by this sort of uh, strategy and then ending up <laughs> consequence, you know? Yeah, I think one thing that's that we need to watch with, with McElwain and company is you know, he wasn't, now they have a new AD, the AD that hired him is gone. And sometimes we see this in professional sports, especially, you know, given being your Orlando Magic fandom and the constant turnover at coach and front office there, it seems like over the past uh, five or six years, sometimes, you know, the AD wants to bring in his own guy. And does that mean McElwain maybe has a shorter leash than some other people, even though he's had a lot of success? I mean, I, I, I sort of, I'm sort of watching that and I want to see how this plays out because it, it, if they end up having to, you know, he sticks to his guns, they leave these guys out for a long time, then they they don't have a successful year, the kind of year they were hoping, you know, then I think it it does start to come into play. But, you know, far be it for me to, to judge him. We don't have the facts of the case. But I do think, you know, if there's <laughs> if there's going to be a criminal charge or something like that, uh, the sooner the better. It's, it's a lot of this stuff hanging over the program. We saw Florida State, uh, Devontae Phillips, another uh, person that uh, – <laughs> Had had his share of uh, you know rumors or whatever when he was when he was uh, a recruit he ends up you know getting charged with like five felonies and I believe uh, they they iron those things out and he's and he's kind of back with the the team I'm not sure but it it was just it was <laughs> it's interesting to watch how these things shake out uh, and and I think that that Florida's got to try to to get this wrapped up and maybe you know do their investigation. So at least if they're going to dismiss the guys, then then get rid of them. Instead, you're getting asked about it every week. It's hanging over your head and everything like that. So, all right, moving on. Now this is big news for us because guess what? This has podcast implications. We may we may have to watch this show on a regular basis. Nick, you you went ahead and shared this with us. Michigan getting their own show on Amazon Prime, uh, kind of a hard knock style show where they follow the team around during the 2017 season, which is this season, which is surprising. Usually you hear about this stuff ahead of time, especially if there's cameras out there. Uh, you think some some local media types would have sniffed it out. They did a good job keeping it under wraps and they announced it. So this is going to be on Amazon Prime. Now, what I want to say to you, Nick, what I think is interesting, this is another recruiting tool by Michigan. Jim Harbaugh has been great at this type of stuff. The reason I like this idea is because it's streaming on Amazon rather than the other shows, which we had Notre Dame and Florida State that were on Showtime. And a lot of people would ask me, hey, can you ask the, you know, especially with the first year when Notre Dame did it, can you ask the recruits if they're watching, you know, the show? Is it making a big impact? And the recruits were like, oh, what show? What channel is it on? <laughs> And they had oh, no yeah. way. To, and like they all have Showtime too. Forget right. that. They, yeah, exactly. Because they had no way to access it on Showtime. I mean, I don't. Need, I don't have Showtime. Uh, you know, back when I was a teenager, I enjoyed Showtime quite a bit. <laughs> but, <laughs> the hand towel industry was booming. Right. But now, but, but now I don't. You know, I don't have Showtime. Um, 
<laughs> so I, <laughs> I personally think this is a great idea. What's your take on it? I, I, I want to, you, you, you found it. And actually when I saw the, the first tweet about it, it sort of made it seem like it was a general show about like following multiple teams, kind of like the PAC 12 network does, but this, this appears like it's going to be Michigan focused. Yeah. I mean, you know, this is, this is starting to become kind of a saturated sort of, uh, sort of demographic here from a from a reality show perspective just get just getting into the locker room of a football team and you know and just kind of documenting everything that happens i think in michigan's case it's it's probably it's probably going to be fine and entertaining uh you know there's a lot of there's a lot of social goodwill towards uh harbaugh i think in terms of you know people want to see what he's what he's up to what he's into what he's doing uh you know, I don't. Obviously, you're not going to see the same sort of. It's not going to be the same sort of viewing experience that you're going to have with um, Last Chance You on Netflix. So, so it'll be interesting to see the difference. Uh, I'd never really watched a lot of the NFL Hard Knock shows, but you know, I mean, we've. I, I don't know. What are you most excited to pull from it? Well, I'm sure there's going to be all types of you know Harbaugh antics and whatnot. I guess I'm just saying. Like, I, I, I guess the better question is, what do you expect to see on this show that you wouldn't see on one of the other ones? That's a similar thing. Well, I really enjoy coaches cussing a lot. <laughs> it makes me very happy to see a coach, uh, you know, uh, dropping all kinds of f bombs and stuff on TV. And I, I don't care. I never gets old. I, I, I had recently had the idea for a. Saturday Night Lifestyle sketch where where you know at a nor- a, a, fo- a football coach gets a job at a normal office and then screams at his employees like he does at his at his players and stuff like that because the way they even in you know the NFL these are professionals and sometimes the way they get talked to by these coaches you, you know especially in uh, you know today's uh, society in 2017 it sort of takes you aback and you know we had you know the Mike Rice incident and things of that nature. Um, so, so that's what I want to watch. I mean, I I always like to see guys that that you know we know from their high school days, and there's several of them at Michigan that that we follow closely as recruits. So, I always enjoy that. I, I don't know. It's like it's not like I sit there and you know study the show exactly, but it's it's something nice to have on. You and I watch a lot of TV that's on in the background, kind of. But in terms of what we do here, I I think it is a good recruiting tool to to. To show kids, I mean, it's not no kid is going to pick Michigan because of this TV show, but at the same time, it, it gives them more of a chance to showcase their personality to parents and, and and kids and and people down the road and maybe younger people who are not football recruits yet that that might be when the time comes. How about you? I mean, you going to watch it? Uh, yeah, I might watch it simply because I have the easy access to it, um, and I'm sure you'll. You'll recommend it to me one way or the other, <laughs> whether it's good or bad before I get a chance to watch the first episode. You know what else is interesting, though, is I've started to see uh, a couple of and maybe this isn't necessarily a new thing, but but a couple of, you know, program athletic departments do kind of behind the scenes stuff on their own and post the videos to, you know, you know, YouTube or Twitter or whatever. The, the one that I saw most recently was and it was simple, too. It was just whatever coach goes down the hallway at the University of Georgia. I think it's Mel Tucker does the bed checks at night and all they do is just record the interaction between him and the and the players at bed check and you know of course there's some hilarious, you know, quotations and things like that. So, um, you know, I don't I don't know that this is going to be like you said, I mean, I don't know that this is going to be hugely uh impactful for for their recruiting, but 
Um, but there's as long as as long as there's this level of exposure, I mean, what, there's a there's a bunch of college programs that would love to have a show like this, you know, that featured them. So um, maybe maybe I guess just to wrap it up, what other coaches would you like to see have this style of show besides Harbaugh? Well, I think the easy answer is, yeah, you know, Mike Leach probably, right? This would be mm-hmm. the number one. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of some other co- – you know, I I'd, actually would love to see it at Alabama because everyone always tells us this great personality that uh, that Saban has, you know, that we never get to see. So yeah. it, 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 would be, it would be fun to see it if he showed that. I mean, because you hear players tell us he's funny and he likes to joke around and blah, blah, blah. And obviously – you know, we never interact with him at that type of level. Uh, um, I don't know what who about else. Dabo? Yeah, Dabo would be cool. He'd probably ham it up for. Uh, he'd probably ham it up for the camera a little bit, don't you think? <laughs> what What about Bobby Petrino? Eh, I don't know. Lamar Jackson would be cool to see on that show if they did Louisville. But yeah, I'm not a big. Uh, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not too. What big. about Orgeron? Yeah, Orgeron would be cool. People love his shtick. Um, you know, he, you know, I, w- I wouldn't say so far I'm the biggest fan of of him uh, or his staff. Wow. <laughs> based <laughs> based on my text messages as of late, but uh, you know, who knows? Maybe we can repair that relationship going forward. I, I I don't really know. It's just he, but he does have a. He's fun to watch at at uh, the football camp. I mean, he walks around, talks to everyone's parents, not not just guys who are recruits, but but uh, everyone who's there seemed to say hi to everyone at the camp except me. So, um, <laughs> so he, has, he, he has a good personality that I think would be good uh, for that type of that type of setting. So. Anyway, all right. How about you? You have anybody else? Uh, in no, <laughs> okay. not not the, the only the ones that I brought up to ask yeah. you about. I just yeah, that makes sense. So we'll watch it. If it's good, we'll talk about it on here. We'll have a. We might just do a whole segment where we review the show. I mean, uh, I would love to do it on a week by week basis. I've been saying that that uh, we've we've considered doing some alternative podcasts where we talk about football and pop culture and stuff like that. So I think I think you know what? Truthfully, I think like uh, if I, I know this would be like dicey and tough to pull together, but. Ole Miss could use a show like this right now, right? Because they kept, you know, they, they've got the interim coach that they kept for a reason with, the, you know, with potentially head coaching aspirations. They've got this great conflict to start the show with coming out of this, you know, investigation drama. Uh, that that one might be a compelling one. It's off the board a little bit. Yeah, that would that would be cool. I think that that assistant coach that's their uh, their head coach now, Matt Luke, is is supposed to be you know he's a former offensive lineman. Oh, yeah, Brett Bielema would be a good one too for, for oh yeah. This mm-hmm. idea. Any former offensive lineman that's a head coach tends to have a cool personality. Um, so so those would be some good candidates as well. So all right, speaking of LSU, we'll move on to our last topic here. All of a sudden, you know, the Tigers in the news is Justin Fields. AKA uh, instant web traffic, as as, as uh, the recruiting industry seems to be uh, finding out the number of content being churned out on Justin really, really coming through. He decides to visit LSU almost out of the blue. I, I don't think anybody had indication it was coming. I remember he had the week off. Some people thought he's going to visit somewhere. Well, next thing you know, he's taking an official visit to LSU, and uh, he gets to go down there. He gets to see LSU win a game against Chattanooga. I saw one quote where he said he liked the food a lot. That was one of 
<laughs> that was that was one of his quotes, uh, which you well, know that, that got, comes up on a lot of kids' visits, though. Right? Yeah. So so he liked the food. And I I think they impressed him. Now the question is, I don't know if they have a real shot at him, but to me, it's a great sign that they do that they do a good job of getting him to actually come visit. And I think this is a testament to uh, Matt Canada, who is who's been recruiting Fields for a long time from his previous stop at at Pittsburgh. He seems to have a great connection with a lot of the kids. Were you surprised if he, to see Fields pop up there? And, and, and given that it's been so unpredictable, is there any way LSU can kind of get in the mix with these other schools? Well, let me let me give you a couple let me give you a couple of bullet points that are just kind of flo- floating around in my head, and then I'll try and tie them all together and see what you think. Because this is because you're obviously much more in tune with his recruitment and what the cause and effect and all that stuff than I am. So so last week or the or the past couple of weeks we were talking about how injuries to Francois and uh, Eason may affect the timetable of his commitment, right? Because uh, the understanding that you know those two quarterbacks would definitely be locked in for one more year that causes some trepidation. It, it sounded like the feeling was he wanted to commit sooner than later with those two schools at the forefront. Also. We had been talking about Auburn as a third team in the mix there. Uh, but now we've got this note where he's taking the official visit to LSU. So I think my my expectation is, is that he kind of, I, I, and he has to make, I mean, you know, you would think that he would make a, uh, uh, want to make a commitment sooner being a quarterback right so so I think I think I think this means that he's probably getting serious about you know about trying to trying to whittle down you know parsing out those feelings that he has for all these different schools and I would think that LSU maybe moves in front of Auburn at this point getting getting the first visit and and I if I'm if I'm a Florida State or Georgia that was fe- fan that was feeling good about Justin Fields I, I think this is a legitimate concern yeah, I think it's interesting that I saw on our Georgia site today that that uh, one of the posters had said that, that they heard Fields could commit as soon as Friday, you know, or, you know, that was inside sources. Or to anybody. To anybody. Yeah. Uh, which, which, which I don't think is going to happen. I, I personally think now, I think the injuries slowed his timeline as we kind of talked about a little bit when it happened. He's had a chance to see Jake Fromm play. He's going to want to see the uh, James Blackman at Florida State play a little bit. Uh, and I think he's going to kind of keep a close eye on those situations. I am i don't think LSU is necessarily the team to beat. But listen, getting a kid and his family, more importantly, to campus on an official visit for a game, especially at LSU where there's a wild environment, it's a game they, they win handily. And it's a game where, you know, quite frankly, their quarterbacks – they look fine, but you know Justin Fields is not thinking. Okay, I'm going to lose the job to to Miles Brennan. You know he he thinks I'm going to have a chance to come in there and play. Now at these other schools, you know even regardless of how From and Blackman play, you know you're going to have you're going to have Eason coming back for Georgia. You're going to have Francois coming back for Florida State. So I don't know. I think it opens the door just a little bit. Now I still think some crazy stuff would have to happen for him to end up at LSU, but. LSU desperately needs a quarterback like him and a quarterback that to run their system. I personally, you know, Miles Brennan is fine. I I, I think, uh, you know, he could be the quarterback of the future for them. But at the same time, he never truly blew me away as a high school recruit, you know, especially not compared to Fields that I saw them both play in a game setting. So I don't know. Uh, I just think. Was I Auburn still, a serious, uh, a serious player in the, in the yeah. commitment race? I think they are, but so does LSU jump in front of them? Do you think at least? 
I think they do because not only do they get to visit, Auburn's, you know, uh, Jared Stidham has not looked great, and neither has Auburn's offense so far. And I think that's something that that Fields is going to take into consideration because they're not going to make a commitment if if something's viewed as kind of, uh, you know, unstable. And we've seen some people, you know, is Gus Malzahn on the hot seat. Personally, I think Auburn's defense is really good. I think that's going to kind of carry them through most of this season. And, and we know uh, Malzahn and company have, have done a nice job with offenses in the past, but their track record with quarterbacks since Cam Newton left, essentially – you know, Nick Marshall had a, had a lot of success, but he was more of an athlete type. You know, Justin Fields is a guy who has his, you know, aspirations to play in the NFL and be a first-round draft pick. And I think if Stidham doesn't have that type of year and doesn't, you know, maybe start to, to show that soon, I think that, that really hurts Auburn's chances. So, I don't know. I still I still think <laughs> – I've always had the inkling that he was going to go to Florida State. Of course, I thought he was going to go to Florida, and he didn't do that. So, the, the the smart money, I guess, would be on Georgia, but I don't know, man. He he's done a great job of faking everybody out. That's kind of what I love about him. I actually ran into his quarterback coach at the uh, at the Florida State Alabama game, and uh, he was waiting outside. And I was like, "What are you doing out here?" He's like, oh, "I'm waiting for Justin to get here." So, <laughs> you know, maybe I should ask him some more questions, find out some details from our boy Ron Veal, who likes to keep a low profile. Has a protected Twitter account. He's not out there popping off. Uh, and this is this is a this is a quarterback coach, Nick, who turned me on to Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. So, big big shout to Ron Veal, the number one and number two players in the country, uh, coming under his tutelage. So, we're going to keep watching that. You know, we'll have lots of Fields news, lots of Fields speculation going forward, and uh, we're going to keep riding it out. Uh, I think everyone in the recruiting industry is hoping that that his uh, recruitment goes on forever at the at the rate we're going. So, <laughs> all right, now it's time to pick some uh, games. Let's revisit last week. Rob not on the show. Rob had a great week last week. He ends up. Uh, <laughs> did he go three and one or did he go four and zero? Oh? He went four. Rob went four and zero last week, which wow. is incredible. You and I both struggled to uh, <laughs> to one in three marks. Yes, uh, as some teams let us down, and we had the same pick. So on the year now, Rob six and one. So if you were betting Rob's picks, I bet Rob wishes he was betting Rob's picks. Uh, <laughs> you'd be, you'd be he'd power would be back on his place if that were the case. Right? <laughs> 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 Instead, uh, you know. Uh, he's having a good year at six and one, me and you three and four. So this week, where did I find this week? I'm looking, I'm all over the place. Uh, the only one, we I think were I feel, all- I, I'll feel good about my chances this week though. Okay. So we've got Tennessee at Florida. Now we talked a lot about the Gators. Uh, they're still without a lot of their players, uh, but guess what? They're four and a half point favorites at home, which used to get three points for home. So that tells us that Vegas thinks the Gators are still better than Tennessee, despite missing several of their players and and despite the fact that Tennessee won against Florida last year and really in a game that looked like they were going to get blown out on came back and, and really took the game over behind Josh Dobbs. So so Nick what what do you what say you? What do you think? Uh well, I so I think that I'm going to I'm going to ask you a question here first. So so what do you think what do you think was Tennessee's biggest takeaway from the result against Georgia Tech when you watched those two teams play? I mean, defensively, they they kind of got they got kind of got mashed up a little bit, would you say? Yeah, they they've been real unhappy. It seems like the Vols fans have been real unhappy with their defensive line play and and 
this, I guess the strategy, I don't know. I've seen a lot of complaints about the defensive linemen not being lined up on the ball, being lined up off the ball a little bit. I saw Albert Hainsworth tweet about it. So yeah, they're definitely not thrilled with their defense and especially with some of their former, you know, five-star defensive linemen who have yet to, to really live up to the hype as their careers are getting a little long in the tooth here. Hmm. Well, I I think I think at this point, you know, when we've still got players suspended for Florida, I think Tennessee takes a look in the mirror, you know, realizes the questions about uh, toughness, things like that. I think I think they go down there. I think they come down a motivated team. And, and just like my Jaguars did against the, the motivated Houston side, the inspired Houston side and just stepped on their throat and crushed them. They Tennessee volunteers do the same thing to Florida downtrodden coming out of Hurricane Irma. Yeah, it's this is a tough one because I have no faith in Florida's offense. I do like their defense, and I sort of worried about Tennessee's offense without Juwan Jennings, who was their best receiver, who was out for the year or for most of the year with a dislocated wrist. But I'm going to go with you. I'm going to pick Tennessee to cover that spread. I don't know if they win outright. It's going to be a close game, but uh, I don't know. I, I just think Florida's got a lot going against it. As you mentioned, the storm, they they had to scrap a game. I mean, there's all sorts of drama going on, so – yeah, I'm going to go ahead and pick the Vols uh, in that one. Now, game two, Clemson at Louisville. The Tigers are a three-point favorite despite going on the road to Louisville. This is a real interesting matchup. I think, you know, we saw Clemson's offense kind of stagnate last week. Uh, Kelly Bryant struggled early in that game. It looked a lot more like the Kelly Bryant of the Shrine Bowl than the Kelly Bryant of uh, week one against Kent State. They end up getting the win and covering last week. This one's a tough one. I guess I have to go first here. And, you know, this whole week I thought I was going to pick Clemson. I'm going to go ahead and pick Louisville. I, I I do think Clemson's going to cause a lot of problems, especially with Louisville's offensive line. they got a lot of young guys, a lot of unproven players. But Lamar Jackson, the X Factor, and he's getting three points. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and take the Cardinals. Uh, you know, I think th- this is this is my read on Louisville. Even going back to last season – Yes, they're a very good team. Yes, they're very explosive on both sides of the ball. The problem, the problem is, is they they just can't even even when they cut like last week. Look at last week's game. Perfect example. They were supposed to. What were they? What were they supposed to cover by last week? Like seven, a, a couple of scores, right? Yeah, it was a and lot. They they needed right down to the the end of the fourth quarter. I I feel like I feel like Louisville is one of those teams that's always like just one one bad moment away from like having the seam sort of rip out on them, and they either could come back under a inspired performance from Lamar Jackson or they fold and you know because there's just a little bit of discord because this is I I don't I don't think Louisville is a team that's used to being uh that's like built to be as good as their reputation makes them seems to be and I just think that they if there's an iffy they they kind of just have too many iffy moments and I just think Clemson is just going to be too strong and, uh, you know, they see an opportunity, you know, to win the conference and and go forward towards the national championship again this year. I, I think Clemson's the pick here. All right. So we disagree. At least that's something. <laughs> now, I don't know. Someone else just signed into the uh, someone just signed into the Google Doc. Is that Mr. Cassidy, you think? Uh, I don't know. It might and, be my other computer. Oh, OK. All right. Um Last but not least, we got to do a bonus pick because we only had two top 25 matchups this week. How sad is that, especially in a week when I'm home committed to watching football all day? Yeah, uh, the failing top 25. Yeah, sad. <laughs> the, well, it's the, the failing uh, Associated Press ranked the team, so uh, they get the blame. Uh, that's not surprising. Fake news. Um, 
We I picked this game because it's Big Twelve against SEC, which Big Twelve is your country, and of course, uh, you know I, I obviously cover the SEC. Kansas State, a uh, four-point favorite going into Nashville at Vanderbilt. Wow. I think Rob picked Kansas State to win the national championship. He also attended Kansas State. We should have reminded full disclosure. This is a tough one for me because I love Vanderbilt's defense. You know, they've, they've done a nice job. They've got a, a ton of former guys that I ranked high, more importantly, that I, I need to go to the NFL draft to make me look good. I am going to pick the Commodores. I know it's hard to believe, given all the ups and downs we've seen. The coaching matchup, obviously, would probably lean in favor of K-State with Bill Snyder. But it's tough to go on the road, I think, even for Kansas State. And we've seen them you know, have their share of hiccups over the years. So I'm going to pick Vandy, especially because they're getting four points at home. They, they were very impressive uh, in, in each of their first two weeks, especially their defense really shutting people down. And I, I think Kansas State's going to have a hard time moving the ball against them. I got to disagree again, Woody. I think I've got it. Not only am I going with Kansas State, the team in my uh, assigned conference relative to us <laughs> talking about this, but I think I, you know, I just think you look at just simply put, I think you look at the success both teams have had defensively so far this season. I think the I think the difference is going to be Kansas State can count consistently on you know four yards, five yards, four yards if consistently with uh, with Jesse Ertz back there, you know, running the show as he has been for the past uh, uh, almost year and a half now. So so I think Kansas State is the is the pick here. I mean, you talk about how difficult it is traveling, but is Vanderbilt that it's not like a super hostile environment out there at Vanderbilt? So, yeah, well, maybe they could turn the you know if if, the, if Kansas State players hit Honky Tonk Central the night before, who knows what could happen? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you'll meet them there, right? Yeah, exactly. They might not make it out to the game. So um, <laughs> that, anyway. that'd be that'd be going to impressive lengths to defend your picks of the week. Yeah, yeah, it would be. Um, uh, a couple of the guys from Kansas State that I know. Hey, guys, have you ever heard of HTC? Uh, we can go to we can go to Fido for breakfast the next morning, which is my favorite breakfast place there too. Might as well hit up all the spots. Yeah, um, tour direct. <laughs> all right, so that so that wraps up that. Now we we've we've yet to receive a good segment for why you always lying. I I had one. Uh, then I forgot what it was. So so we've yet to get that. So if you hear announcers talking about recruiting during a game, making up lies, please send them to us. We love to call them out on this show. And then I, don't tag- think, I don't think anybody remembers we even do this. This, but this isn't necessarily part of the podcast. Well, I'm trying to get it to be part of the podcast. So so guess what? I'm what gonna find, it, find. Chris Fowler said something. What game were we watching? Were we watching Georgia and Notre Dame? Or, or no, he was doing Oklahoma and. Ohio State. It was Fowler Mike said something. Said something no, no, no. Fa- Chris Fowler said something that we looked at each other at and we're like, uh, I, can't I can't remember what it was. Well, we'll do a better job taking notes this week. So we move on. Now it's time for Tweet of the Week. You subtweet people all the time. You're nothing but an embarrassment. Not a whole lot of options here. It's a, it's a slow week on Twitter. Luckily, I had one saved from September 3rd, which uh, I think you'll really like. <laughs> tweet of the it. month. Yeah, three of them off. <laughs> so, you know, there's obviously after any game, there's a lot of trash talk among fans and, and stuff like that. So so a couple of LSU and BYU fans are going back after uh, after LSU beat BYU in, in week one. And this fan, uh, at Cougar underscore board, tweeted, BYU decided to let LSU, let LSU game go beforehand. You got lucky. 
BYU couldn't reveal real offensive strength because we're unleashing it for Utah, which I believe they lost pretty handily to Utah. Yeah. So I was watching, I I was listening to, I was listening to some show. um, I was listening to a podcast about college football and and everybody was like, somehow Ty Detmer came up in conversation and they were like, Oh, what, what's he doing with, isn't he some sort of like wealth management person? And then they did a background check on Wikipedia and he was working for a, some failed hedge fund company or something like that had to pay back millions of dollars or whatever was borderline broke. But the whole time he was the offensive coordinator for B for BYU, not what didn't he start last season too. So he's been, he's been in a college, a major college program and people were like, who's the offense? What is Ty Detmer even doing with himself right now? Well, as I one time uh, went to the went to an Oregon game against BYU with my father. Ty Denton was the quarterback, and my dad spent three hours yelling "Lay down and die, Ty." So <laughs> we know we know what he's thought of on this show, at least. So take that, Ty. Not surprised he failed. Anyway, getting back getting back to said tweet. So anyway, these are, these fans are going back and forth. And Cardell Thomas, 2019 uh, LSU offensive line commit, controversial figure among, among uh, people in Texas, at least, as far as Nick's concerned. He retweets the tweet and says, salty much? <laughs> which, which, if you had to make a, if you had to make a list of, uh, people I would expect to use the term something much Cardell Thomas would not be in the top 1 million people. So, so I really enjoyed that. I got a good laugh out of that. So I guess they were salty much. Hey. Um, <laughs> Dave Barrow will enjoy that one. Uh, AKA Benedict Arnold. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, anyway. All right. Moving on. Now let me get back to the, uh, to the old sheet here as I'm getting all types of notifications blocking up my tabs. It's time for rants and recommendations. The question is, do you have anything to complain about this week, Nick? Uh, well, you know, I think uh, you and me can talk about a couple of... What, what, let me ask you a question. What do you think about the phrase, consider yourself horned? <laughs> as used by TCU. <laughs> All right, so so Nick and I, uh, we were in Fort Worth together a little bit this weekend as, as I had flown into Dallas to go to some games in Shreveport. Uh, Nick was in the Dallas area, so we tried to double up on the old hotel when we could. And as we walked around downtown Fort Worth, what did we see? But a bunch of TCU football signs that said, consider yourself horned, which morphed into my mind into you've, <laughs> you've been horned, which... <laughs> Which it's funny. It's, you consider yourself warned, and you've been warned are the same thing, which is the pun they're using. So consider yourself warned. What a what a phrase! And I think it's tough to come up with a new pun every year. Um, I do remember one year Oregon having a poster that was fast as duck, which I, enjoyed, <laughs> which, I which I enjoyed quite a bit because it's almost a cuss word. But it's tough. It's tough to come up with a new pun in, every year. But I, I don't know about consider yourself horned because. Well, the problem is, is so the problem, like the one, the initially, the one that I thought of would be like, if I'm TCU and I want to play up like a, a conference championship run or something, or like leaping back into the championship picture or something. But, uh, but I mean, like, do you say like frogs jump, frogs leap? You know, I don't know. Well, the problem like, is these are horned frogs, which they, they run around pretty fast, at least. In oh, my they don't experience. actually jump, do they? Really? <laughs> yeah, they're more of like lizards. Uh, but I remember I caught one. 
which I used to, I believe I, in Oregon, people call them horny toads, uh, as of horned frogs. But anyway, I, I remember catching one when I was a kid in Eastern Oregon, which is a high, high desert. And, uh, well, it was a tough one. It was a tough one to keep, <laughs> keep its hands on. So the yeah. The, oh, historically known as the horny toad. Okay. So it wasn't, it's per Wikipedia. Uh, it's the official state reptile of uh, Texas. So, oh, well, what do you know? So you were making fun of it when we were there, but turns out, I mean, it's a it's a mean looking, it's a mean. It looks like a little dragon. Uh, I mean, uh, can you imagine like a you know a bunch of bunch of those things running up on you? You know, that'd be that'd be kind of scary. Yeah, it, it looks a lot like the dragon on Game of Thrones. I wonder if that's what they based it on. Um, but anyway, you <laughs> probably. No, you Drogon. Uh, so, so consider yourself. Rob, Rob wouldn't get that reference, right? Yeah, believe me, we know his top five TV shows came out. It's like he has a, he never watched TV prior to two thousand and nine when he made the list. Um, so anyway, that's all. That's a little bit to complain about. Now, I did have a uh, a wacky Woody story, which you know I know Rob enjoys, and I actually didn't tell him off the air because I was saving it. So I guess I'll tell it to you. You want to hear it? Yeah, absolutely. Maybe I, I hopefully I didn't tell you this this weekend. So, you know, I was uh, out of the country for a while in a must be nice situation when I went on vacation to Greece, and uh, you know when I came back, I had noticed some some. I came we came back uh, Sunday night, so I was walking uh, Chris the dog, and I noticed some uh, yard sale signs, and I was like, what what, what house is this yard sale at? And I, and I I followed the signs and I realized it was a yard sale I had been to prior to leaving for Europe, okay? And I was like, did they leave these signs up the whole time I was gone? And then I said, you know, this is ridiculous. I'm not going to let these tra- – there's, there's enough signs, you know, drive like your kids live here. You know, there's a lot of, you know, this is not a house of hate and blah, blah. You know, people with these yard signs are out of control, okay? I really hate to drive like your kids live here. One, because number one, I don't have any kids, and number two, every time I see the sign, it just makes me want to drive faster and/or run over the sign. So, I decide, okay, what, what would you think I would do now, Nick? These signs have been out for weeks. What am I going to do with them? Well, step one is probably ripping them out of the ground. <laughs> that's, that's right. Step one, rip them out. Step two, step two, rip them in half. <laughs> no, well, they're the hard plasticky ones, so I can't rip them in half. These aren't paper signs. Okay. But they do, you know, fly pretty well oh. in, a, in a saucer type situation. So I decide, you know, I'll walk to the house where they've, you know, had this garage sale and I will then throw the signs in in the yard and or on their roof because no one lives there. The house is for sale. Mm-hmm. So I was sending a message basically. So I spent it, you know, I said I was on Monday. I pick up two signs on one corner. I pick up two signs on the other the next day. You know, all week long, it's building with these signs because they're everywhere. There's a lot of entrances in and out of my neighborhood. Well, you know, Saturday rolls around and I'm walking the dog and I, we get pretty far out because I try to go on a, a long walk Saturday morning. And what do I see? But two more signs. And I said, how did I miss these? I thought I had gotten all of them, right? Mm-hmm. So I grab them and say, okay, I'm going to bring them down there. <laughs> And as I'm approaching the house, I notice there's a lot of cars there, right? <laughs> a lot of car, a lot of cars for an empty house that's for sale. Well, turns out, Nick, they were having another garage sale. Oh my gosh! <laughs> wow. <laughs>
<laughs> so obviously I ditched the signs four or five houses down the block and turn turn around and just start heading the other way. <laughs> so I torpedoed their second garage sale by stealing all the signs and throwing them in their yard and on their house. So that's uh, that's an impression. <laughs> that's 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 prob- that's one of the more Larry David moments that you've had in recent memory. So that's, that's pretty impressive. <laughs> so there's your wacky Woody story of the week. Uh, I had another one with uh, involving my life hack at the airport, which I ran into quite a lot of uh, drama with. But yeah, yeah, no, let's hear that real quick. Oh, jeez, okay, we'll go real fast on this one. So, well, my life hack at the airport is to you know I park at the airport a lot, especially with with the raising rights uh, uh, the raising uh, rates of these you know Uber and Lyft and the like. It's costing me thirty dollars to get to the airport each way. So oftentimes, if I'm staying for more than a couple of days, I'll park at the I'll park at the airport. It used to be sixteen dollars a day. Well, I get there this time, they raised it to nineteen. It's a big increase in the price. Well. In order For to the offset, same parking spot, I bet. <laughs> right, exactly. So in order to offset the cost of airport parking, I have developed a, 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 a Womack life hack where I find old tickets oh, yeah. on the ground, put them in the machine. Oftentimes, they're less than the amount. So my parking would have been like $70. Well, I found a ticket, ran it in the machine. It was 33 right? So I pay for the 33 then I leave... And it's usually no problem. Um, right. That's huge savings. Starting fifty percent savings. <laughs> well, this time I get up there, I put the ticket in, and it won't work. It says error message. Right. This is after I paid the thirty three dollars. So I have to go. I have to back out. Then I have to go to the cashier lane. Well, I go to the cashier, and she's like, oh, it says you only paid three dollars, and this ticket's two days old." And I'm like, "No, nah, I paid thirty three dollars. I just paid it." Well, she takes a look at my license plate. They pull the video. <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> they then noticed that I came two days earlier than what the ticket said. But you know me, I, of course I'm sticking to my story and I, and I do a classic Woody reversal, which is where I say exactly what I'm doing and then present it as a, as a ludicrous proposition. <laughs> I'm saying, so you're telling me I found, I just go looking on the ground. I find another ticket. I put it in <laughs> so I could save $20. Who would do something like that? You know? <laughs> Which, the, the truth is, I would do something like that, but on, on, on money that you don't even have to worry about I, spending. It. Yeah, that's true. So I'm like, oh, that was part of my defense. I said it's my corporate card. What do I care how much it is? <laughs> so the manager had to get involved. TSA or what? Well, the, man, the, the manager got involved. She came in. They were sticking to the story that I only paid three dollars. Which I was like, that's not Wait, true. That's I funny. Call- that's interesting that that's what they decided to go with, despite all the evidence incriminating you right. otherwise. Well, so, so I got Amex on the phone. And I said, tell them I paid $33. Well, that wasn't enough evidence for them either. She said, I got to go in and check. I, you know, And I'm getting real agitated at this point, considering you know I was real tired on Sunday. We traveled home. I just worked the past three days. Yeah. So, so I ended up eating it and just paying the original amount and then... And then luckily, though, I had Amex on speakerphone the whole time. And he says, you know what? We're, we're voiding that $33 charge. Wow. Excellent. So, well, you know, that's, that's, a net, that's a net push, right? That's right, a push. <laughs> exactly. Now, I think what my stress, see, what I had been doing previously was leaving. When I take a ticket, it's a take a ticket, leave a ticket situation. 
that way, if someone else wants to do my same life hack and they've right, been gone but long, your, ticket, your ticket's so expensive. That's why you're dropping it to begin with. Right, but it's not that expensive if you've been parked for a week. You know what I'm saying? And you find a three-day ticket. And of course, as I told you, when I got to Dallas, I saw a woman crying in the parking garage because she lost her ticket. Oh, sad day. Sad times. Right. So guess what? I'm trying to help people. <laughs> so anyway, moral of the story is the life hack did not work this time. It has worked several times in the past. Uh, I did enjoy uh, quite a bit, though. The fact that they could pull up they could pull me up on the video based on my license plate it was really impressive. I don't know what kind of system they're running over there, but they were like, you came in at this day at this time. And it didn't take a long time either. It was within like three minutes. They knew that information. So Shit, you, yeah, I mean, well, listen, you think you're the, you think you're the first person to come up with some kind of harebrained scheme to get out of paying <laughs> twenty dollars. <laughs> yeah, just, just the me providing the defense of my, of my own actions were you know, it, it often works because I'm That's saying pretty that- funny. Well, that, that kind of that kind of rolls into my recommendation. Just a quick recommendation this week. I actually found out about this show this morning as I was trying to finish up some uh, some work. There's a new show on Netflix that I've sort of been watching. Uh, you've known I've I've been outspoken about my proclivity to watch shows like Dateline and uh, 48 Hours, things of that nature. Uh, there's a new show. There's a show. Well, it's new to me on Netflix. Uh, I believe it's called Confession Tapes. And it basically is uh, situations in which people confess to some kind of crime that they didn't actually commit, but the or maybe they did in some cases. But but the 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 point of the show is to to illustrate the coercion of confessions by police departments, which is something that I see quite frequently. So my recommendation is a two part recommendation. First of all, watch the show if you're interested in things like that. Second of all, if you ever get picked up or you're ever suspected of anything, deny 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 and get a lawyer if uh otherwise that's uh that's what i have to say <laughs> to close the show well several of the podcasts that you and i listen to about true crime we have heard these false confessions so there's a lot of talk about that so that that is interesting i would recommend speaking of the aforementioned larry david i've been watching a web series uh written and directed starring his daughter um and it's called uh, 86. I think you can watch it on YouTube. There's it's only eight episodes and they're about five minutes long. But it's a it's a real uh, it's a real millennial type uh, show where where she breaks up with her boyfriend. And, and is then she is also tra- the main character? Yeah, she's the main character. How much does she look like Larry David? She's pretty attractive, but she also you can tell she's Larry's daughter, if that makes sense. Mm. Do they have like the um, same mannerisms and stuff? Oh yeah, she's exa- well. No, she's ex- she really is exactly like Larry. I mean, a lot of her complaints. She com- she's compl- imagine millennial Larry complaining about stuff. You know, so I <laughs> really this is en- like the true sequel to Curb Your Enthusiasm. Right, exactly. I really enjoyed it. She she uh, you know she she did a uh, she did a bit where somebody's wearing a puffy jacket and she hit it and she goes, no, 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 you just love to hit someone when they're wearing a jacket like this. And I believe that was on Seinfeld like 25 years ago, probably before she was born. So I, I think it's funny that the, the concept of the show is she's trying to win a breakup. Oh, so there's a, okay. So there's a lot of her like trying to post stuff on Facebook to see the boyfriend to see she's moved on and, and there's a lot of social media jokes and stuff like that. So, you know, if maybe if you have a young daughter and you want to be scared or uh, or maybe if you're a, 
if you're a millennial type yourself, I think you would enjoy. But like I said, it's only about a 40, 40 to 50 minute investment to watch the whole show. So uh, I would recommend that. I enjoyed it. So anyway. Well, hey, man, big podcast for Larry David this week. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe next week I'll tell the story about the time uh, I tried to return something to Target. And I had a very, very Larry David moment. So much so that people in my life have uh, thought it was an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm when actually it was something that happened to me. So Leave them that, that, yeah, boy, a lot of tease for next week. So that, that wraps it up for us. Hopefully, uh, everyone's doing well in uh, Florida, including our, our family members and friends uh, living down there, uh, dealing with uh, post-Irma. Luckily, everybody seems to be okay. We send our thoughts to them, including Rob Cassidy, who continues to be without power. Although he did just text me, uh, he did just text me about some some popular culture stuff. So he is he is uh, still with us. So. Hopefully we have Rob back next week and we have a lot of topics to talk about. Um, thanks for joining us. Subscribe on iTunes. Please tell a friend, leave a review. Uh, I think we got a couple of new reviews. We did not get any written commentary though. So, so please write something in there funny. So it gives us something to read on the show as well. All right, Nick. Time for M-Deuce. M-Deuce, play us out. <laughs>